In the name of the one living and true God, who gives us living water. Amen. It's a strange day. This is a very strange way to preach a sermon. I have never preached a sermon where more people will watch it online than will see it from the pews. If you could see on the other side of the camera, you would see an empty church, and that is just strange. Most Episcopal preachers are used to very little response to their sermons. We are known in the Episcopal church sometimes as the frozen chosen. I'm glad that most of the time Holy Communion defies that moniker. I can usually get a chuckle or an amen on a good day. But this is new, and these are strange days. I want to say thanks to my colleagues from our music program and my colleagues in the clergy for being here and embracing the strangeness, and thanks to all of you for giving us grace as we figure this out. These are strange days. You'll notice that we're all spaced at the appropriate CDC recommended social distancing links. We're trying to do the best to take care of one another in these times, these strange, strange times. And those long Bible stories, I couldn't let Chester off the hook today. I had to let him read that long gospel. And these long stories tell us that God's people have faced strange days before. That story from Exodus is a bit strange. There's a line in there that tells us that they are in the wilderness of sin. One of our choir members tried to be helpful and let us know that there must be a typo in the online bulletin that says the desert of sin it surely must be the Sinai desert. It's actually not a typo. That's what's in, uh, in the Bible. It's not as good of a pun in Hebrew as in English. But there is a pun there. It has to do with geography. The place, as Moses names it, where the water comes from the rock, it's known as Massah and Meribah. Unfortunately, that pun doesn't translate to English, so let's rename it. Moses names the place the place of grumble grumbling. The place of grumble grumbling. The book of Exodus tells us several times when God's people grumble. Several times when the people are uncomfortable after their time being liberated by God, after escaping Egypt. The people are wandering and they're grumpy. In one story, the people are hungry, and so God sends manna from heaven, bread from heaven. Then the people don't like the way that that bread tastes. So God sends pigeons. God sends meat. In this story, the people are thirsty, and they grumble. And there's a word that the Bible didn't have. It's a word that I've found myself using a bit in these days, and I would dare to say that they do more than just grumble. The people catastrophize. That's the word. They catastrophize. They say to Moses, why would you bring us out of Egypt? Why would you bring us here only to die of thirst, only for our children to die of thirst, only for our livestock to die of thirst? They go to the worst possible scenario. They catastrophize. 
I don't like what we're going through. I didn't become a priest so that I could talk in front of a camera. I really like connecting with people one-on-one. I like connecting in a big group building community together. I'm not enjoying these days. I don't like what we're going through. But I'm having to find myself holding back from catastrophizing. I think we all need to take a breath and hold back from catastrophizing for the sake of preventing a catastrophe. Can you do that? Can we all take some time to slow down, to breathe? In the midst of these anxious days, can you slow down, breathe for yourself? Take a breath when you find yourself going to that worst-case scenario. Slow down as well, collectively. We need to slow down for the sake of the doctors and the scientists, for the sake of our local leaders. We all just need to slow down a bit right now. I know that taking time right now could make a difference. I know many of you have seen that graph that's viral all over the internet. It's being shared and shared. It's in the newspapers. It shows two curves, one with a really steep peak, what could be coming if we don't wash our hands, if we don't keep some distance. A lot of people could get sick all at once and overwhelm the capacity of our hospitals and our doctors. There's that other peak. It's unfortunately longer, but it is not as steep and not as tall. If we're able to practice a little bit of stepping back, a little bit of slowing down, we could avert a catastrophe. Those graphs, those numbers, they matter. And it's a hard time right now because there are folks that are focused on numbers that really don't matter right now. It was a difficult decision in some ways to decide not to worship together in person, but I had to say, our average Sunday attendance number right now, it doesn't matter. Some artificially deflated picture because we don't have enough tests that makes it look like we have less infection than we do, that number, it doesn't matter. And honestly, friends, as they jump up and down, the Dow and the S&P 500, we have to let them not matter for a moment. We need to let our leaders know those numbers that they want to bandy about, that's not what matters. The numbers that matter are the number of people we can keep from getting sick. The numbers that matter are the numbers of infections that we prevent happening all at once. The numbers that matter are the phone numbers of the people that we call to check in on. Those are the numbers that matter right now. Folks have asked me in the midst of this a number of times, where is God? Why is God letting this happen? Why has God let this disease emerge? Where is God in the midst of it? I suppose I signed up for questions like that when I put on a collar, but I hate to tell you, those questions are above my pay grade. I do promise to bump them up the chain, not the bishop, he doesn't know either, 
But when I do meet God face to face, I will ask her what all this was about. What I can tell you, what I do know, is that those questions are biblical. They're the same question that God's people asked there in the wilderness. Is God not with us? Those are the biblical questions. And I also know this. God showed up. God provided water. Though the people were grumbling, God was with them. God showed up. God provided water. We lost one of my heroes in the church yesterday. Bishop Barbara Harris died. Bishop Harris, the Right Reverend Barbara Harris, she wasn't just the first African-American woman to become a bishop in our church. She was the first woman to be made a bishop in the whole global Anglican communion. Bishop Harris was five foot nothing. She was a little bit taller when she put a mitre on. She was short, but she was a giant. Bishop Harris used to say, she said this often in sermons, something that I kept coming back to again and again. The God behind you is bigger than the problem in front of you. The God behind you is bigger than the problem in front of you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And you don't have to catastrophize. You don't have to be small like the problem. You can lean on God, lean on God's greatness. Before I sit down, can I tell you something else about water? I'll have to go around the long way to get there, but there's something else we learned today about water. A little bit of it is in that hymn we sang, There is a balm in Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole, we hear. But it's the second verse that caught my imagination as I was preparing today when it says, if you cannot preach like Peter, if you cannot preach like Paul, I don't quite know entirely what I'm doing, preaching into a camera like this, holding a service with no people, just a choir and clergy. I feel a little bit like I don't know what I'm doing. But the hymn has a solution. It says, if you cannot preach like those guys, just tell the love of Jesus. Let me say one more thing about water. That living water that Jesus offers to the Samaritan woman. I believe that that's another way Jesus is telling us that God's love is greater than the problem in front of us. God's love behind us is greater than the problem in front of us. God's love is living water. God's love transforms and empowers. I can't unpack that whole long story that Chester gave us. It's, it's too much and we'd be here all afternoon. But I want to notice one thing about it. That woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, she's been socially distant. She's arriving there at an unlikely time, there at the well by herself. 
And something about that conversation she has with Jesus, something about the love she experiences, something about that living water transforms her. We hear that she goes back to her village and she announces good news. She tells the people about the good news. That living water of God, it has the power to transform us. God's love, the living water of God's love, it doesn't just slake our thirst. God's love doesn't just hydrate me. God love, God's love empowers us. God's love empowers us to go out and transform our world, to go out and love others. I know that God is in the midst of these days because I see that transformative love at work. I see it in the doctors that are signing up in case folks need extra shifts. I see it as hospital workers prepare. I see it as neighbors call and check on neighbors. I saw it in our congregation when folks in their 20s and 30s offered to do grocery runs for folks who are older who need to take extra care to stay out of the grocery stores. I see it where people are willing to seek and to serve and to check in. I've seen it in co-workers who are pooling sick days so that everybody has enough sick days to cover the time they may need to be away to take care of themselves, to take care of a loved one. I see that living, loving water of God flowing and dynamic among us, empowering folks to take care of one another. Keep loving. Keep leaning on God. In the days ahead, I, I know that I'm going to grumble. I know that this is not the way that I prefer to preach. This isn't the way I prefer to connect with folks. I'm going to find myself grumbling. Help me remember to pause. Help me to remember to take some time to stop catastrophizing. Because friends, the love of God behind us is bigger than the problem in front of us. Amen.